morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning to you guys listening online. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning. And hey, we are in our last week of what this uh, series that we've called a faded gospel. Um, and we've tried to answer two questions, right? What we said was, um, has the gospel that saved us as believers, has the gospel that saved us become faded? Because by all appearances, it seems like we're practicing more of a moralistic deism or or the do's and the don'ts, you know, the if you do, you grew up in church, you said, if you do this, God will be very happy with you. If you do, if you do the don'ts, then God's going to be really mad at you. Like you sit in vacation Bible school singing the songs about how God hates liars. And it's supposed to be, a, it's like a joyful song. God hates the liars. You know, and that, 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 that was moralistic deism being taught in, 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 to, live, to live by the do's and the don'ts instead of living the power of Jesus. The second question, the second question that we answered, maybe for those of us who are not believers, maybe you're listening online and you're not a believer, and the question is, maybe the reason you haven't decided to follow Jesus is because of the bad representation of the gospel that we as believers have set out. And for that, as a pastor of the church of Jesus, I apologize for, because that's not fair to you to hear the, the, the pure, simple gospel that is Jesus dying on the cross to save you. Like he did all the work. And all we have to do is accept it. Now, like we said this whole time, are there some things that Jesus says that we should do? Absolutely. Are there some things he said stay away from? Absolutely. But our salvation is not based on what we do, but what he has already done. In fact, your relationship with Jesus, this isn't even part of this, your relationship with Jesus and the, the fact that he, he did all the work for you, will, James says, will lead you to want to put your faith into action. If you get a chance, read the book of James. It's short. So if you don't like to read, you're like, hey, that's a good book for me to start with. Yeah, read James. Faith without works is dead, he says. That, but that doesn't mean you're saved by your works. What it means is if you have true faith in the simple gospel, it'll be a reflection of your life. That's the sermon for another day. But what we, here's what we've said. We said in week one that the gospel is for both sinners and the saints because growing up we're taught in church that the gospel is what saves you, right? That, it's kind of, and then that kind of faith, like we know the cross, we know, we know the resurrection. Derek, why do you keep talking about the cross and the resurrection? Because it's all we have. But it's both for the sinner and the saint because for believers it's how we stand, it's how we persevere to the end. And for, and, and for us who are non-believers, it's, it's, how, it's the gospel that saves us. Nothing else saves. So the gospel of Jesus is how we persevere to the end. And as non-believers, the gospel tells us that God's not in love with some future version of us. It means all your sins were future sins when Christ went to the cross, and he knew how screwed up you would be, and he still made a way. Like, if you knew my story, you would say, why does that guy on stage, that was me. He knew how screwed up I would be, and he still chose to save me and to save you. So perseveres to the end. He's not in love with some future version of you. Then last week we said that Jesus has this crazy love, right? This love that chases, chases you down when you don't deserve it. It's like the sheep who, have, who wandered astray. He left all the other 99 righteous ones, right? It says, and he found the one he found the one that had wandered off. His love for the wanderer. I mean, and that's all throughout Scripture, right? It's all throughout Scripture. Prodigal son. What was the father doing? Waiting on the front porch looking for his son to turn around. And then what does it say? It, he ran 
And for a man to run in that time period would have been mind-boggling. Boggling. He takes speech classes this morning. Or what about the story of the story you know where Jesus told this prophet to marry a prostitute? Ooh, talk about rumors. Talk about word on the street is our boy is marrying a prostitute. And then she gets married and then she runs off again and starts prostituting while they're still married. And guess what he did? He went and bought her when she was already his. It's that crazy love that chases you down when you don't deserve it. And with that being said, as we're preparing for today, this thought came to my mind. Here's the thought. What if what you heard about God is not all there is to him? What if what you've heard about God is not all there is to him? Because I think too many of us, I wonder sometimes if this faded gospel in which we try to stand on, or as non-believers, the bad reputation for, from, from believers leads us to some false expectations of what God is and is not and what he does and doesn't do and what he will do and won't do. Maybe it's through denominational pressure. Maybe it's through your parents. Maybe it's through how you grew up. But sometimes we have these expectations that are not biblical uh, in regards to who Jesus is and what he will and won't do. Because here's what happens. And let's be honest. When those expectations that we have of God fail, what do we do? When we start believing that Jesus isn't enough, what do we start to do? We start to say, well, okay, I'm going to take it to Jesus. I'm going to, Jesus, I need you to take care of this. And then what do we do? We pick it right back up. And we take it somewhere else. Or we pull ourselves. I, I, love, I love the previous generation to me. So you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's nowhere in Scripture. Okay, I'm going to leave it with you, Jesus. I'm leaving it with you, but I'm going to pull these boots on, and I'm going to get to work. Well, when was the last time you let God work in a situation that you're struggling in? So what happens when we start, start believing these false expectations, these, they fail to, and they fail to produce anything, we start to believe the lie that it's Jesus plus work, Jesus plus fill in the blank. When the truth of the gospel is, is that Jesus plus nothing else, plus nothing else is enough. Jesus plus nothing else is enough. And maybe it's time for us to stop living with expectations that we grew up in and what we think Jesus is like and what, and what he will, will and won't do and live surprised. Anybody like surprise parties? I love surprise parties. Not really. Not really. So don't have a surprise party for me. Live surprised about the fact that if we lose everything, if we lose everything, that he is still enough. If, we lo- if you lost your job, lost your spouse, lost your child, lost whatever, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And here's why. Because the real challenge of faith is not to be more certain. <laughs> There's not much you can be certain about in this world, is there? It's to stay surprisable. Yeah, surprisingly, that's not a word, so I had to make it up. surprise dash the real challenge of faith is not to be more certain, is to stay surprised. Now, there's some facts that you have to be certain on. You with me? But when was the last time that you've been surprised by what God has did in your life? How many times have you lived 
put expectations on God that God never put on himself. And he never met your expectations. And you've turned around and went another direction. Let me, let me show you what I mean. There's a story, right? Jesus had just taken Peter and Jacob and John up to the top of the mountain. And they got to see this really cool thing where like two prophets come down and they talk to Jesus. Like prophets who have died like hundreds of years before this moment. They're up on a hill and they try to build an altar. And Jesus and God, that voice from heaven came and was like, this is my son. Y'all better know who he is, know how he rolls, you know. And, and they're like terrified. And then now they're about, it's called the, the uh, Transfiguration, Mount of Transfiguration, right? And as they're, as, when that whole scene wraps up, they're walking back down the mountain, Jesus and these three disciples. And this is, and this is, uh, this is what happens. Look, look at what happens after this encounter. Ready? It goes like this in Mark 9, 14. Now, when they came down the mountain to the other nine disciples, so three, so three disciples were with Jesus, and the nine are down here. They're dealing with a crowd of people. Listen to this. Not very good crowd managers. Now, when they came down the mountain to the other side, the, nine, the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them. So imagine being circled up right now, circled up by a crowd of people with the religious scholars arguing with them. I wonder what they were arguing about. Jesus wasn't there. Three of the main dudes was up on the mountaintop. They left all the little not-so-popular disciples down at the bottom of the hill. You with me? I wonder what they were arguing about. Where's Jesus? Where's this Jesus that can heal? You have this crowd of people here that needs healing. I think we're going to, I think, I don't know what exactly they were arguing about, but I think we're about to find out. Verse 15 says this. The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking toward them. So who were they waiting on? They were waiting on Jesus. Like, where's he at? You ever been in line with people impatient? The other day I was in the line, and I was like, is this ever going to end? You with me? I was getting so impatient. Where is he going to be here? The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking toward them, so they immediately ran to welcome him. Here's Jesus' words. What are you arguing about with religious scholars, he asked. Here's, listen, a man spoke up. Spoke up out of the crowd. Teacher, he said, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. I brought him, I want you to pay attention to the words here. I brought him here to you. Who did he bring him to? Jesus. Whenever the demons take control of him, he, it knocks him down and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth. And his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples. <laughs> Catch it? See what just happened? I brought him to your disciples hoping they could deliver him but they were not strong enough. Um, did you catch it? Where did, he, where did he bring his son to? Was it the Jesus or the disciples? But didn't he just say Jesus? Like, he brought his son to be healed by Jesus, which was a great decision, y'all. You with me? That's a great decision. It was a great decision. He heard, that Jesus will, he heard that Jesus will heal if he gets there. And it seems that Jesus is nowhere near, which made him believe a lie that, he, that lie that he needed to go another route. 
So when he gets there with his son to lay him at Jesus' feet for healing, and by all appearances, it seemed like Jesus wasn't near. Like he didn't care. Do you care about this, my son, Jesus? Tracking with me? And since when Jesus wasn't there, what did he do? He kind of believed the lie that Jesus isn't enough. So maybe if I take him to the disciples, his disciples, they will heal, which isn't a bad decision. It's not a bad decision to go to the doctor when you're sick. It's not. But here's what we have to understand to, be, to believe the gospel. The, 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 the gospel tells us when we believe Jesus is enough, our faith isn't in our good decision. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. You can have all the best decisions in the world. But if you have, don't have Jesus, you have nothing. I believe this is why they were, they were in argument. The disciples didn't have the power to heal at this point. They were waiting on Jesus and the religious leaders said, you see, you can't follow this group of people. They're nothing but lies. What, well, they say this Jesus is enough, but he, he, he's apparently not enough to be here to show up when all this crowd of people's here. You ever, have you ever been there where you felt like you're going through a situation and you're like, where were you, God? Where were you? Like, Honestly. I got all this crap going on in my life. Can you really heal? Can you, can you, can you, can you really do anything about this situation? Now, I wonder how many of us have listened to the enemy or allowed our expectations to limit what Jesus can and can't do and will and will and won't do. Like we pray for God to heal something, to God to take care of something, but then we go and do the opposite of what we just prayed for. Which tells us, tells, tells your heart that Jesus isn't enough for you. That doesn't mean not work hard. That just means are you really leaving it with Jesus? Are you really trusting Jesus? Do you really believe that Jesus is enough? Because you can't sing songs like Jara, you are enough if you're not leaving all these things with Jesus. You can't. You can't do it. You want to hear Jesus' response? Listen to what Jesus said. So, disciples couldn't save him. Mark 9, 19, it says this. Jesus said to the crowd, Why are you such a faithless generation? I wonder if we're part of that generation. <laughs> How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. This is Jesus saying, When are you going to believe that I'm enough? You have no power apart from me. And I wonder if we're really a part of that same generation choosing to go another way because it's not, it's not in our timing. It's not in how we wanted to do it. It's not how we were told he would do it. It doesn't meet our expectations, so we're going to go another route. We just pick, if we, we believe the lie that we just pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, if we just work a little bit harder, if we do the do's and don't do the don'ts, we, 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 will fi we will fix it ourselves. How many of y'all try to fix anything and it work out? That's why we sing songs like, I look back and I see you've always loved me. And when we look back, you'll go, yeah, I screwed that up, but Jesus took care of it. And this is Jesus saying, why didn't you bring it to me to begin with and leave it with me? And then here we are on the other side going, is this what you have planned for me? 
I thought you could heal this. I thought you could fix this. I thought you were, would never leave me nor forsake me. And if I was honest, not this past week, but the week before, I was at that spot. Sitting in, a, in, a, in the children's hospital ICU with Hayden, the, little, the smallest baby that we got custody of, hooked up to full flow oxygen, stopped, he's stopping breathing every five seconds, it seems like. Machines constantly going off. I'm saying, like, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Like, you brought me to this point, and I'm sitting in an ICU. Scary situation. I don't know if you've ever been to children's ICU or not. Here I am, feeling, God, what, God, what are you doing? I thought, you said you could heal. I'm, like, this is going on. Um, I guess I'm going to have to do something to fix this. What can I do to fix this? I'm trying to figure out, like, plan out, like, okay, let's start, I mean, I can do this, 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 and maybe it'll help him, whatever. And there's the wall over here to the hallway is nothing but glass. It's a glass wall so nurses can see into the room, right? And about this time, this old man is walking by, and I see him stop and turn around and look into the room, and it comes to the room opens the door and go says says hey um as i was walking by i felt like god wanted me to tell you that and remind you that jesus works in the unexpected jesus works in the unexpected and i'm like how many times have i preached that here and it's never been here let alone this old man who i've never met in my life open the door and go hey jesus just wanted me to remind you that he still works in the unexpected and then he asked if he could pray over Hayden. And he comes over and he puts his hand on Hayden's head and he prays for Hayden. And meanwhile, his oxygen, in, his oxygen level had been in the low 70s. He was struggling to breathe and blah, blah, blah. And after he prays and I said, thank you, man, I really appreciate that. I look up at the monitor and his oxygen level's at 100%. And it wasn't even an hour later that they said, hey, we're going to take him off of oxygen. He didn't really need it that much. We're going to do like room, what we're room room pressure be. Why? Because Jesus still works in the unexpected. What you think is going wrong in your life, the process that you're going through may be exactly where God wants you. Here's what it also told me. God also showed me that day that the gospel tells us his plan for your life has never stopped being good. Whatever situation that you're going through right now, whatever hardship that you're going through, you may be questioning God. And listen, God can handle your questioning. He's a big, he's a big old dude. He can handle it. But we can never forget that his plan for our life has never stopped being good. The gospel, like if, if all there is is the gospel story, even if he did nothing else for us, even though that's, it won't be true, like he, he's, he's, he promises to bless us. Even if the cross was all there is. It's still good. It's still good. His plan for your life has never stopped being good. Let me show you. What's this? Mark 9, 20 goes on to say, so they brought him to Jesus. Because Jesus said, bring the boy to me, you losers. For your unbelief. Come on now. As soon as the demon saw him, because that demon that you're struggling with, as soon as it gets in the presence of Jesus, it throws it through the boy in convulsions. He can't stand that demon can't stand in the presence of light. He fell to the ground, rolling around, foaming at the mouth. 
He goes on to say, and this, <laughs> look what Jesus did. So here's this commotion, this voice foaming at the mouth. The demons are causing him to seize and all this stuff. Listen, Jesus turned to the father and asked a question. If I was a dad, I'd be like, <laughs> you know, Jesus turned to the father and asked, how long has your son been tormented like this? And then the father said, since childhood, he replied. It tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into fire or water. But please, but please, if, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. And help us. You see, what happened is this man brought his son to be healed by Jesus. And when he felt like, like that wasn't enough, but he, he, he went to his disciples, and when the disciples couldn't help him, he went back to Jesus, and his, will you turn to if you can? He started to believe the lie because of the circumstances. He lost faith in the fact that Jesus was enough, and his, and his will you becomes a if you can. And here's the deal. I wonder how many of us approach Jesus in the same way. God, if you can do this, do it. If you can do this. I wonder how many of us, believer or non-believer, have been waiting for a move of God so long that we've started to say that if you can, instead of God, I need you. You're all I have. You're the only hope in this situation. Nothing else will do if I don't have you. See, I believe that Christ is working in your behalf. Even if you don't see it, feel it, or even if it's not evident. Even if it's not evident. He's moving. He's moving. And many of us find ourselves like this father. We, we feel God's not doing anything while our lives are laying on the ground convulsing and convulsing. Like, God, are you going to do something? Or are you going to keep asking me questions? Are you going to keep asking me questions? Jesus is asking questions why his son is having demons torment him. But we have this promise from Jesus himself. In John 5, 17, he says, But Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. Even when you don't see it, when you don't feel it, when, you don't, when, you, when it's not evident, he is always fighting for you. Always. Always. In, the, but the, in, in that realizing that he is always fighting for us, the real challenge of faith will be accepting God's process with you. It's accepting God's process. A lot of us, we find ourselves in a process that we didn't ask for, right? But remember what we said earlier, his plans for you have never stopped being good. His plans for you have never stopped being good. And listen to Jesus' response to this question, to, his, to the man's answer. Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? What do you mean if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. This is Jesus saying, are you missing what I have for you? Because you don't believe I am enough. Are you missing what I have for you because you believe that I am not enough? That I'm not enough. And he is enough. In fact, in fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 says he's enough to cast all our burdens on. Ephesians 3, 20 says he is more than enough and 
to abundantly exceed all our expectations and dreams. The things that you dream about for your life, his dreams for you are better. More than you can ever think or imagine, it says. Whatever you dream for your life, guess what Jesus is saying? Mine's better. It's better than that. Philippians 4.19 and Luke 12.22 says, He is more than enough to supply all your needs. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, His grace is more than enough to save. And Genesis 15.1 foretells that Jesus is our reward. Why? Because even if, we, even if we lose everything, if we have him, he's enough. And I could keep going, but you have to understand that even if you have everything and don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You can have the best health in the world. You can have the best stuff in the world. You can, but you'll be in a grave one day and your stuff will be in junkyards. Hello. That's a hard reality, isn't it? No matter how much you can lift, how good you clean you eat, no matter how fancy your car is, listen, it's all junk one day. It's honest. So if you don't have Jesus, you, you don't have anything. Because nothing else really matters. This story goes on to say this, and this is what I'm going to show you. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out in tears and saying, I do believe, Lord, but help my little faith. I do believe, but help my little faith. Some translations say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. He goes on saying, now when Jesus saw the crowd was quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon saying, deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. So Jesus is working now, right? Finally, he's addressing the issue with the boy. Watch what ha happens. The demon shrieked and threw the boy into a terrible, into terrible seizures. Like if you're in that moment, you're going like, what is Jesus doing? It looks like it's worse. It looks like it's getting a lot worse. But then it says, and finally it came out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, Everyone thought he was dead. I wonder how many times has God moved in our life and it just seemed like it stopped and whatever he was working on was dead in your life. You ever been there? Like I've had so much momentum, God. And that just seems flat. It seems dead. Do I just give up? It seems like God is moving and then bam. Everything's dead. Why? Remember at the beginning we said that we should drop our prescribed expectations? live surprisable here's, here's Jesus encounter it looks like a bad encounter it looks like there's a corpse laying here on the ground well apparently that didn't work here's why here's why Jesus is most strategic when you're most surprised let me show you watch this this is awesome the demon shrieked verse 26 and threw the boy into terrible seizures and finally came out of him as the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead. What's my favorite word? Remember? But Jesus stooped down, gently took his hand, and raised him up to his feet. And he stood there completely set free. Ooh, you talk about being surprised. They weren't expecting that, was they? When that father finally realized that Jesus was enough, Jesus moved. And I wonder how many of us are putting expectations 
on God and what he will and won't do that when those expectations fail we realize we, we believe the lie that he isn't enough and we try to do everything else instead of taking it before Jesus this is me included but I love how our friend Luke ends this story because the gospels sometimes they, they have mirroring stories right they tell the same story from a different angle and I love how Luke ended it and Luke 943 he says everyone was awestruck they were stunned seeing the power and majesty of God flow through Jesus why because they realized Jesus was enough when have you been when have you seen God, allowed God to move so much in your life that you stood there and awestruck that he exceeded your even your wildest expectations We'll leave it here. So the question becomes this morning in your faded gospel history, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Because if because nothing else matters. You with me? Nothing else matters. So if Jesus isn't enough for you, then my question is, you don't believe well, my thought and my belief is you don't believe the right gospel you're not following the right gospel if Jesus isn't enough and that's coming from love not a point of finger because my job is to make sure that you believe the right thing so that one day that we can stand before Jesus and go and hear him say welcome home you believe that I was enough that what I did on the cross was enough what I did in the resurrection was enough is Jesus enough if you don't believe Jesus is enough then you may need to reevaluate your relationship with him because you're probably following a religion and not a relationship with him you may be moralistically good even though we know that that's impossible 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 heart right dear God I want to thank you God for being enough actually being more than enough you're so more than enough you exceed our expectations you 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 like you blow our minds with what with what you do God my prayer as we as we sing this song, that maybe the, those expectations that we have of you that are not that are false expectations, that they 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 drop from us and we can live freely in you. As the old doctrine said, "Sola Christi," in Christ alone, in Christ alone, that you are more than enough. Well, then, uh...